It's exciting to live for him. I don't know about you. I wouldn't want to live for anybody else. Praise God. I'm reading from Luke chapter 2. Since Randy covered from 5 to 15. And he made a statement that will go forever down in the history of all of my comedy. That I will not repeat today. There's a, yeah, it's on video. Forever to be remembered. You know, there will be a Sunday where I'll come to the platform. I've only done it, I think, twice uh, since we've been pastoring here. But the Bible says that laughter is good medicine. And uh, so I have come up and I've just shared all kinds of comedic things that have happened in churches because there's a lot of comedy in church people. And... uh, that is now in my book. But Luke chapter 2, if you missed it, you got to catch the video. And then come at 9.30 the rest of the year. Luke chapter 2, verse number 10. Let me start actually with verse number 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord." And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I want to just share with you today a simple message simply entitled, This is What's Christmas. This is what is Christmas. Christmas. Christmas is a wonderful season. It's not even a day anymore. And, uh, and if you're part of the music ministry, Christmas for us started in August. And uh, started listening. In fact, we've already, we were driving yesterday and heard a song on the radio. And so Owen texted me the name of the song because it'll be a good song for the concert next year. So we're already starting on 2023, folks. But this is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is God's gift to you and I. Now, I know we celebrate and we have a good time and we remember Jesus being born in Bethlehem, but this is the Lord's opportunity to give to us. Christmas is our day. Now, I know that sounds selfish, but that's what he wanted it to be. He wanted the day that he was born in Bethlehem to be the day that he initiated a move from heaven to earth so that the earth people, you and I, humans, can get back to him. Oh, that was... uh... He came to earth so you could get to him. Are you excited about being able to get to Jesus? Are you excited about getting into the presence of the Lord? Are you excited about hearing the word of the Lord? Let me tell you something. It would not have happened had you not had a Bethlehem. 
It would not have happened had you not had Christmas. It would not, it would not happen if God didn't see fit to come to this earth and manifest himself as a baby. This thing was so messed up. He had to come himself to fix it. You see, Christmas is simply God's answer to the three most important needs of humanity. There's three basic needs that you and I need to function in, and Christmas answers them all. And the story or the passage that we just read, the angel reveals all of them to us. First of all, we like to celebrate. And the angels brought, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Can I tell you, if you are depressed, if you are sad, if you are broken at Christmas, it's because you haven't grabbed a hold of the right Christmas gift. See, when you grab a hold of the gift that the Lord gave at Bethlehem, you will have nothing but good welling up in you. Does it mean you're not going to have troubles in this world? Oh, yeah, you're going to have troubles. You're human. You're going to have troubles because we're still living in a temporal society. But when you have Jesus, when you have him in your hands, in your arms, in your heart, in your spirit, you have the thing that brings good tidings of great joy. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. We need to be able to celebrate. The second need we need is salvation. Think about it. Verse 11 in the city of David is born a Savior. And then the third thing we need is reconciliation, which happens in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Reconciliation is peace, goodwill toward men. So I want to break some of these down here a little bit. Celebration isn't just partying, even though that's fun. I think that Jesus reiterates the fact that he likes a good party when he performed his first miracle at a party. I think he likes to celebrate good things. I think we tend to read Scripture line by line and verse by verse, but you need to kind of stop a little bit when you're reading it. And the Bible says when he saw the first day and it was good. I can't think that God just said, well, it's good. Let's go to the next thing. I think when he said it was good, there was a moment of celebration. When the animals came into existence and the Bible said it's good, good. And when the Bible says that it's good, when he, he created the, the earth and the, the heavens and the stars and, and all of that, that word good there has uh, carries with it an idea of rejoicing or celebration. If he was so inclined, I believe God was having a high five with himself. Man, is that good! And when he got done with Adam and Eve... I won't stop at Adam because he said that's not very good. But when he got done with male and female and Adam and Eve, he didn't just say, well, this is good. He said, it's very good. 
Let me tell you what Christmas is. Christmas is the opportunity for him to stamp his approval of goodness upon his creation. He got so excited about you and I that he came to this earth so that he could make a way for you and I to get back to him. We are his good thing, his very good thing. Can I just tell you that celebration is simply recognizing the good and expressing appreciation for it? It's good tidings. Now, some of you aren't getting this yet because you still haven't even smiled. You're a good thing. He doesn't make junk. And because he doesn't make junk, the Bible says that he loved you so much that he came to pay a sacrifice for you. And we like to preach about Calvary. And we like to preach about the blood. And we like to preach about the deliverance from our sins. But can I tell you, none of that would happen if we didn't first have Christmas. There's three things I find out in this celebration. The first thing is God loves us. Not just likes us. He loves us. When you love somebody, you act stupid. Some of you are catching on. You buy things for that person that you love that you have no business paying for. Some of you do the dishes. Some of you do the laundry. Some of you shovel the sun. Some of you start your car when it's ice cold outside just so you can show that you love that person. God loved us so much that the Bible says he became like us, if you read the book of Hebrews, the ninth chapter, so that he could experience what we experience so that we could become more like him. See, I'll do the laundry because I love her. But want to know what he does? He gave everything because he loved me. You want, you want to know what? He loves me so much that he painted the sunset. My favorite place on earth right now is in the white sands of Destin, Okaloosa Beach in Florida, staring out at the emerald waters of the Gulf of Mexico. And there's always a breeze there. And you can just stand there, and if you, you, you don't dare close your eyes because it's too beautiful, but if you did, you could hear the, the lapping of the, the water coming up on shore. There's just something, and you want to know what? He did that for me. He loved me so much that we don't just have crows, but we have hummingbirds. And we had those little yellow things that invade our house every spring. Don't ask me what they are. They're just pretty. Did, did you know that, that they didn't just give us hosta plants? 
Pastas are beautiful, but they're green and off-white. That's it. And you can't kill them, which is even a better thing. But he gives us all the different colors and every color flower you look at, you might as well tell yourself, it's because he loves me. That's what Christmas is. Some of us are waiting to see what we're going to get for Christmas. Some of us are going to see what kind of presents are, are, are for us at Christmas. Can I just tell you the greatest gift you can ever receive is Jesus. Because he loves you. God loves us. I also realized that his love is not based on my conduct. It's based on his character. And everybody said, thank God. Because we're miserable wretches. We question everything. We doubt everything. We do all kinds of stupid stuff. And yet, he still loves us. Because that's who he is. God is with us. We need to celebrate this. God is with Emmanuel. God with us. You, you, we, we say that so flippantly, and we don't even realize what that's talking about. The God that spoke all of creation into existence is with you. He's with you. He's with you in the evening. He's with you in the daytime. He's with you when you're going up or going down. He's with you in the middle of your sleep or in the middle of your waking hours. God is with us. Not just a little bit of him. It says Emmanuel, God with us. The one that holds all of the universes in the palm of his hand saw fit today to walk into this house side by side with you. I, I know some of you are trying to just let this sink in. And I'm talking on big, broad terms, and it's hard to, to, to mentally uh, incorporate the concept that the one, one, hello, the one that just said, let there be light, and it was lit. The one that said, let there be light, is sitting right there with you. And you think your problem is a big problem. Turn on the universe's light switch. He's sitting right next to you. He's with us. God, Emmanuel, God with us. Not only is he with us, another thing we need to celebrate is he is for us. Some of you said amen. I don't usually preach for a response from people, but I have to see it in your eyes at least. He is for you. No, 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 no. He is for you. He is for you. When everybody seems to be against you, he is for you. And you and the Lord is a majority. Let me even go further than that. He is the majority. You can just tag along. But he is on your side. He is looking for you. He wants to be on your team. He is so much in love with you that he will do whatever he can to be a part of your life. There are some of us that went to the T 
Teen Challenge concert last night, and the CEO got up and talked a little bit, and he used a statement that I had written in my notes this week. So I know where he got it from. He got it from Rick Warren. But he made this statement, and I had it written in my notes to share with you today, so it must be God. It was simply this. God does not get mad at you. He gets mad about you. Let me say it again. He doesn't get mad at you. He's mad about you. You can't, you can't cause turmoil for him. You can't trouble him. He won't turn his back on you. Why? Because he has decided to love you. You are the apple of his eye. You are the apex of his creation. You are the one that he's for. You see, when you mess up, he doesn't rub it in. He rubs it out. Some of us live day to day just waiting for God to come down with a hammer because we've messed up again and again and again. It's not going to happen, my friend. It's not going to happen. He is for you. He is for you. He is going to call you back into his arms every time you make a mistake. He's going to say, come unto me, my child. I love you. I love you. I love you. I am for you. Now, I was raised as a hockey player. And there's something that happens on a hockey team. There are two people on the hockey team that are untouchables. The goalie and a skilled player, of which I was neither. I was the in-between skilled player. But when one of your skilled players or your goalie gets hacked on by the other team. You watch it. All of a sudden, the goons on the team are going to go after that uh, aggressor. They're going to take them. They're going to push them into the boards. They're going to hit them harder. They might even fight them on the ice. They may do all kinds of things, but they are going to answer for their actions against that which is the skilled player and or the goalie. My friend, he looks at us as the skilled player and the goalie. And when the enemy of your life starts beating up on you and giving you some cheap shots, there is somebody that comes off the bench, if you will, the God of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he says, enough is enough. I am, he is, I am on his team. I am for him. That's enough. Stop dealing with him. And he may even spiritually punch him in the nose. Celebrate. Listen, sometime in the next couple of days, you need to find a place between you and the Lord and have a party. I'm talking about not getting into your prayer room and saying, God, help me. God, I'm not doing anything right. God, I'm a sinner. I'm far from you. Listen, there's enough time for that. But it's Christmas. And Christmas says, I loved you so much. I made you the way you are. And I came to this earth for you. So you need to find that place and just start dancing before the Lord. Stop, just start doing what the Bible says. Tread on serpents. You might as well. They're useless creatures. 
God, you love me. You loved me. And you still love me. It doesn't matter how bad I end up. It doesn't matter what situation. I know that you are with me. I know that you are for me because I know that you love me. Here I am. Let's have a good time together. Lord, help me get this across. See, here's the problem. Some of us live just like you responded. We're worried about the mortgage and we're worried about the cars and we're worried about the jobs and we're worried about the family and we're worried about offending this and messing up here and going wrong here and doing all this. And Jesus is trying to say, hey, it's Christmas. Why don't you just take me? Why don't you just take me? Why don't you just spend some time with me? I, I, I know some of us here today have so many mountains in our lives that when I say this, it sounds as, as an impossibility, and it sounds like it's such a mess in our lives. My friend Jesus majors in messes. He knows what he's doing. You might as well reach out and say, Thank God you're on my side. Celebration. So let me ask you this question. Two-part question. What are you thankful for from this last year with him? Might as well celebrate it. I know there's nobody here that can celebrate perfection. But we can celebrate him because he's here. And then my other question is, is, what present are you giving him at Christmas this year? After all, it is his birthday. So Christmas meets our need for celebration. Christmas meets our need for salvation in three different ways. Now, you know I'm not going to get into it today, but you know that, that I've given up on telling you that salvation is getting to heaven. Salvation is getting to Jesus. But there's three aspects of salvation. The aspect of from something, for something, and by something. We need a salvation that frees us from sin and ourselves. And usually they go hand in hand. We, everybody say me, I, I am the source of most of my mess-ups. You see, we have an eye problem. We are naturally selfish. In our own, you think of this. How many of you have had children? Can I get a witness as to what one of their very first words are? Mine. You put two three-year-olds together in a room with one toy and you see which one says it's his and which one says it's not. We are naturally selfish people. In fact, it's the reason why the New Testament tells us that the majority, if not all of our sin, stems from the pride of life, the lust of the eye. I've blanked out. The lust of the flesh, the pride of, yeah, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. 
all about us. What our eyes see, what our flesh absorbs. The devil has a lot to do with it. He, he, he causes all kinds of chaos in our life, but it's really all about us. How do I know it's all about us? I know it's all about us because from the man from Gadara that was in Scripture, the Bible says he was possessed by either two to 12,000 demons. Legion is the name. Theologians will tell you it's between two and 12,000. And you want to know what happened when Jesus showed up? The man overpowered the demons, made his way to Jesus. Does the devil trip us up? Does the devil cause problems? Oh, yeah, he does. But the majority of what we deal with is right here. Right here. Here's how I know. Sit two people down and give a goal and see which one thinks is the better idea, their idea or the other person's idea. Do you want to know how we, we deal with things? We deal with these. Well, let me ask you this. How many have sat down to pray at dinner and said, Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies? How many have ever played something similar to that? Hands all over. And then you eat McDonald's. Hey, I'm just being honest today. God, bless this because this is the way I want it. Because I don't pray that same prayer when Brussels sprouts and beets end up on the table. They're probably better for me than the Big Mac, but they ain't getting in this body. But bless it anyhow, Lord, because this is the way I want it. God, send me the promotion, but only the promotion that I want. Because sometimes the promotion in the natural is actually a demotion in the spiritual. But it doesn't please our flesh to take a pay cut. What, what am I saying? We need to be freed from that. And Jesus in Bethlehem is the entity, if you will, or the person that frees us. Because the Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Listen, that's not just talking, being delivered from all kinds of stuff that we get ourselves trapped in. That's just the, the freedom from ourselves at the base. Yeah, he sets us free from all those other things that, that have attached themselves to our lives. But he frees them from ourselves because he knows this. He looks on the heart. And the Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. No man, you can't know your heart. And so Jesus says, here I come. I'll save you from your own self. I find a scripture in Acts chapter 13. You see, we need to be saved from something, but we also need to be saved for something. And Acts chapter uh, 13, verse 36, there's a statement that says something very powerful. 
in verse number 36, it says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God. Can I tell you why you're saved today? You're saved for your generation. You're not just saved to get over yourself. You're saved to help somebody else. You're saved for somebody. Can I just tell you, I wish that everything I did throughout my entire life in ministry was because I loved God so much and I had myself so much in control. But I'd be lying to you. Do you want to know a lot of the reasons why I did it? Because I saw a young person that was watching me. Can I tell you why there's some reasons I don't do things that I don't do now? It's because I see your faces every time I get ready to do something. And God says, I didn't save you for this. I saved you for them. That's what Christmas is all about. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He came to be our Savior to save us from our junk, but to also save us for something else. There's a purpose in your life. You need to ask God this month, what's my purpose? Why did Christmas come to my life? Why did you step into my heart? Why did you save me? Who are you trying to reach through me? I, I, I've been praying about the direction of our church for 2023 and I wish I could say that I've got it all thought out and planned out and I'm still in negotiation. For him to make it real clear. But here's what I do believe. In some way, shape, or form, 2023 is going to be a mobilizing year for Spirit of Grace Church. And when I mean that, I mean within the harvest put that back there and then begin to pray for me that the Lord will make that clear. I don't serve God for the disciples' generation. They're done and gone. We are saved for this generation. Who can I talk to? Who can I reach? Who can I pray for? Who can I minister to? Who can I share the gospel with? Who can I touch? That's what I'm saved for. And we're saved by grace through faith. Lastly, Christmas meets our need for reconciliation. Reconciliation is a restoration of peace. You want to know why we get into conflict? It kind of goes together with what I said about our sin, but... Conflict originates from our self-centeredness. My way doesn't agree with your way. And there's tension. And there's conflict. Because you want to do it one way, I want to do it another way. Because we don't have clear directions, and so we want to get to the same end, but you want to go to the left, and I want to go to the right. And, and because you're going to the left, and I'm going to the right, there's conflict there. Because both of us think that the other's wrong. And sometimes both of us are wrong. And so there begins to be conflict. Listen, this happens in every relationship. 
every relationship. There's conflict between my wife and I because she wants to do one thing one way and I want to do the others. Sometimes it's about important things. Sometimes it's about which way the toilet paper hangs. It's amazing to me how much that shows up online. So we changed everything, got rid of the dispensers, and we put it on a table. We're upside down sideways. Conflict over. Self-centeredness. It's my way. Owen takes care of our dishes. Sometimes. And he loads the dishwasher. And you want to know what my wife's first question is? Is it loaded Owen style or mom style? Did you want clean your room mom style or your style? Is the bathroom clean mom style or yours? Why? Because there's one way to do it and then there's another way to do it. And then there's a third way to do it and then there's me who doesn't care, so it's all four ways. And what it's, I, I'm being comical, but in the spirit and in our life, we do the same exact thing because we get self-centered because it's got to be done our way. God's got to bless me the way I think I need to be blessed. God's got to send me that money. God's got to send me that finance. God's got to give me that new job, that new car, that new home. God, if you're going, if you really love me, you'll allow this to happen. Instead of understanding the reason why you may not have gotten it was because it wasn't good for your soul and God kept you out of it. What am I trying to say is that Christmas brings reconciliation to the conflict in your life if you'll just kneel down at the manger the second reason for conflict usually is because we expect others in our lives to meet needs that only God can meet your spouse your child your friend is not responsible for your happiness I know that's hard to hear they're not responsible for your joy. They're not responsible for the way you love, the way you feel. You are. I, I, I know that's hard, but that's why Christmas came. Because Jesus showed up and says, I'll be with you until the very end. Just lean on me. Acknowledge me. I will direct your path. I will bring happiness. I will bring joy. It doesn't matter what she does. He can bring me joy and happiness. And if he brings me joy and happiness, I'm able to give her joy and happiness. And because it's a triangle of love, if you will, with God in the center, he's able to bless the marriage because, not because we've made each other. I'm sorry I don't make her happy all the time. I know that. And she knows it. Because... It's the way life is. Are those, there are those moments? Yeah. But if you're waiting for somebody else to bring happiness into your life and not Jesus, the founders of our country got it right. There's only a pursuit. You're never going to catch it. Peace on earth. Goodwill to men. You see, Christmas was the gift of peace with God. 
The moment that Jesus took that very first breath, the bridge was built so that you and I could have peace with Almighty God. And did you notice when the shepherds and the wise men and them came and they bowed before Jesus, that none of them melted? None of them were consumed? A cleft in the rock did not need to be made like it did for Moses? Why? Because it was his gift. The flesh that he created in Adam became the flesh that bridged the gap between his holiness and our unrighteousness. And we have peace with God. To wit that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. We get the peace of God at Christmas. More prayer, less panic. More worship, less worry. What do you need this Christmas? It's available. It's available. We're, we're sitting in a holy atmosphere because of Christmas. I, I know it is a whole encompassing story that you don't have Christmas without Easter and you don't have Easter without Christmas. And so we really celebrate the full life of the Lord. But without Christmas... We don't have the peace of God. I want to challenge somebody this week. Find a quiet time and just sit in the peace of Jesus. And Christmas has the opportunity to bring peace with others. You see, when Jesus came, he declared something in Matthew 5. He said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Notice he didn't say the peace getters. Because of Christmas, you have an opportunity to make peace with others. I feel like the Lord is challenging us that if you have a relationship with somebody that's in conflict, that you somehow create peace. I didn't say agree. I didn't say go spend time with. I said peace be created because peace originates here. Peace and forgiveness go hand in hand. And forgiveness is not for the offender. Forgiveness is for the offended. Jesus, you said that you brought peace at Christmas and goodwill to all men. Lord, I now release such and so to you. Let me have peace that I can make between you and me and the thing that's caused this struggle, the thing that caused this angst and anxiety, let that just be removed and let me breathe in the peace of Almighty God because it's Christmas. I invite you to stand. Christmas becomes a lot of things to a lot of different people. Christmas becomes a time of going into debt 
trying to appease somebody else's feelings towards you. For some, it's an obligation to get a gift for somebody. For some, it's all of the tinsel and the decorations and the excitement of going to a mall, believe it or not. But I would pray, as, as we say this almost every Christmas, but Christmas is about you and about Jesus. You see, God has such a desire to have a relationship with you. From the oldest to the youngest he wants a relationship with you and he knew that he could not have that relationship unless he became like unto us so he became obedient even unto the death of the cross so that you and I could become more like him see we don't understand that sometimes but listen if you were living and trying to live for God before Christmas happened, you wouldn't be in this building because you wouldn't be allowed. You'd have to stand outside in the cold and the rain and you'd have to come to the doors and pay a sacrificial offering of which then I, as the priest of the house, would have the benefit of getting out of the rain and the snow and coming trepidatiously into the presence of God, hoping and praying that none of you messed up too bad so that he would accept our sacrifice. And then I would be able to walk back out, and because I didn't get killed, you would be able to rejoice that your sins were now pushed ahead. And that's it. But because of Bethlehem, the creator of all things says... I'm going to get into your car with you. I'm going to the restaurant with you. I'm going to sit in the living room with you this afternoon. I may even take a nap with you this afternoon. I'm going to be there in the morning when you get up. I'm going to be at the office where you're, when you walk in the doors. I'm going, to, I'm going to be there. Everywhere you are, you've got the creator of the universe with you. All because of Christmas. All because of Christmas. Let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Cry. Oh, do it one more, realizing that you're celebrating the one of Christmas. Oh, come, let us. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.
Lord, now I pray over every single person in this room that has not experienced Christmas. They don't even really know who you are. They haven't experienced you day to day. Lord Jesus, I'm asking to make yourself very personal to them even right now. Let them sense the strength of your embrace. Let them feel the heartbeat of your heart. Lord God, let them sense the love that you have for them. Lord, that they're not somebody that's been rejected and refused, but you created them in your image. And you love them with all the love that God can give, which is all of God. I'm asking you, Lord, to allow this spirit of Christmas, this season of Christmas, to envelop us and saturate us and consume us, not with just the celebrations that are going on and the joy of the season, but, Lord, I'm asking you to come alongside and help us to see you in everything. Be with us in everything. See us in everything and experience everything together. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' wonderful, wonderful, wonderful name. Amen, amen. Praise God. Don't forget next weekend, 